you know, the ongoing support we had this year was just incredible. Honestly, it was, it was such a fun experience just getting to know it. <laughs> oh, I knew we were going to have some, the sandwich, sandwich king chiming in sandwich it's not, says it's not a sandwich. I don't well, know. Yeah. I mean, a show like this, we just want to wrap things up and kind of give some context to the season. And this is going on every award that we came up with here. We pulled out to, you know, the members of our discord and the YouTube community. You guys came in and voted. We actually got a lot of votes. So it is really cool to see where where these players landed up for these nominees. Uh, you know, so that being said, I think I think we'll just roll into the first award, which was our Get Ahead Hero Award, which we descripted for people who voted as this player got out to a hot start that propelled banners into an early head start over their league mates. So without further ado, we're going to roll this year's Get Ahead Hero nominees. Fantasy football is all about difference makers. These players help managers get out to a really hard season that propelled them into an early lead over their league mates. These are your nominees for this season's Get Ahead Hero. Cooper Cup, 20.1 points per game, weeks 1 through 6. Jalen Hurts, 24.6 points per game, weeks 1 through 6. Josh Allen, 29.5 points per game, weeks 1 through 6. Nick Chubb, 19.3 points per game, weeks 1 through 6. And Lamar Jackson, 25.4 points per game, weeks 1 through 6. All right, Wyatt, I'm going to start with you here before we get to the word. Was any of these players stand out to you and make a big difference in some of your early lineups? Not one player sticks out for me personally, but I think this highlights what stuck out for me, and that's uh, – Drafting structure-wise, zero RB variants, I think, really succeeded this year. And we saw it where wide receivers were carrying teams, I mean, for most of the season. But we really saw it in the beginning of the season. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek, like all these wide receivers putting up these massive weeks. And then we, with those strategies, you also try to get your elite QB, which we saw some of these elite QBs just ascend to the top. Where it was like the giant gap we saw between the top of the top for QBs and then the next set of QBs. With that said, I think like the one that from this group that actually stuck out to me was Jalen Hurts because he was someone who was drafted hoping he would actually become that elite of the elite, and he did, and he was a big advantage for teams who drafted him. Yeah, can't argue that. Jake, was is Jalen Hurts your front runner for this award too, or do you think it should go somewhere else? Where did your vote go? Jake, muted. As much as someone I love had to do it, Jalen Hurts. Um, it was going to be me. Let's be honest here. As much as I love Jalen Hurts, uh, my vote went to Josh Allen here. He just had such a head start over all of the competition here, like five points per game almost over Lamar Jackson. Just really just if we're talking about a front runner, a guy like Josh Allen, who you did spend high capital on, you hope that he hits to this level. He was hitting a level that nobody else was hitting. And he was the guy, he started conversations early on in the year where everybody was basically saying like, all right, late round QB is dead. We're going back to drafting superstars early because guys like him were performing so well right away. Yeah. I mean, you really can't argue that. I mean, early season production, like for me, like guy like Nick Chubb was also just unbelievable what he you could have moved him for justin jefferson middle of the season i mean the first two months he was just putting up un ridiculous numbers seen touchdowns every single game 100 yard games every single game i think that's a guy's probably overlooked just because he did cool down plus 500 a uh, good good cash day for you yeah good bet by turn yeah those lot, not surprised that, those odds are great <laughs> but so we'll get right into it the winner for this year's get ahead hero 2022 was Josh Allen, 
I mean, it's it's as Jake said, it is it's hard to argue against. I mean, twenty nine point five points per game weeks one through six. In your super flex leagues, this guy he just won you weeks. You, you yeah. were probably six and zero or very close to it. It's it's hard to go against Josh Allen here. Yeah, I mean, he's just that big of a jump. Like, if it was closer, I think you could have made an argument for some of these other guys. But he had such an advantage so early on in the season that it really just went. It was to the limit. We we really thought we were going to see the highest scoring quarterback season of all time. Yeah, he was on a complete heater. And basically, if he didn't hurt his elbow, who knows? You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, which we'll try to keep this thing moving so we don't drag all day. But our next award is the Draft Day Discount Award. So let's roll into the nominees for it. Every year, we look for discounts in our fantasy football drafts. This year... These were the best steals on draft day. The nominees for this year's draft day discount are Geno Smith, quarterback 30, undrafted in one quarterback leagues. Kenneth Walker, the running back 38, taken in the ninth round of one quarterback leagues. A.J. Brown, the wide receiver 11, taken in the third round of one quarterback leagues. Miles Sanders, running back 33, taken in the seventh round of one quarterback leagues. Josh Jacobs, the running back 22, taken in the fifth round of one quarterback leagues. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver 49, taken in the 12th round of one quarterback leagues. And Ramondre Stevenson, the running back 36, taken in the eighth round of one quarterback leagues. All right, Jake, I need to ask you, what feels better? Because we got a, we got a good variety in these choices, but when a late dart becomes a sustained weekly option when a mid-round player ends up performing like a top pick which one makes uh which one is more important to you which one do you you like to see more yeah personally i love it when that late dart throw becomes a sustained option you're for me if you look at a guy like a jacobs like a Ramondre being drafted in that like fifth to eighth round range those are still starter rounds in a, in a lot of leagues those are guys you're expecting to perform at a high level those late dart throws like a gino who came who literally was undrafted you weren't picking him up and then all of a sudden he was basically a plug and play starter for you for most of the season that kind of hit is just the absolute best feeling in the world to me just knowing that whether it's a process hit whether it was a lucky dart that you threw that worked out it just is nothing more satisfying than knowing that you beat your league mates on this one player and nobody else even considered him until you took him yeah Wyatt for you I mean it, it is fun when the, when those late guys become those sustained options but do you lean more on those fantasy just those straight up league winners the, the mid-round guys who hit big I just wanted to, you know, push the zero RB propaganda some more. If you look at this, all these running backs, you know, who fit right in to that strategy is a beautiful thing to see. I, I do think like the mid rounders, uh, you know, pro possibly biggest values, right. That we see with some of those running backs like Ramondre, Kenneth Walker. Right. But for me, I think the one that really sticks out is Josh Jacobs because he made a larger impact on your weeks compared to those other running backs. Like those other running backs gave you someone you were really happy to play week in and week out. And they were solid contributors. Josh Jacobs was winning weeks, right? Yeah. And he was still a value. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we announce the winner for the draft day discount award, I just want to give a shout out to Geno Smith, who we didn't talk about here going undrafted in one quarterback league, especially if you played super flex, you were getting this guy in your last round and, yeah, the fact he got some votes from you guys really shows that he impacted some lineups. And, uh, you know, there's not enough to be said for that. But 
to roll right in. This year's winner for the draft day discount award goes to Josh Jacobs. Something I did not expect myself to be saying going into the season. On draft day, who'd have thought? Luckily, we did try to pose both sides of the argument, but you know, we have to admit, as a channel, we were, we were, we were too low on Josh Jacobs. Um, he really stuck out, and for a team that ended up struggling, the offense wasn't even as dynamic as we thought. Josh Jacobs was absolute difference. But you're talking top three running back when the year's going to be all said and done. You got him in the fifth round. Yeah, what is there to argue here? Yeah, he's he's yeah. the perpetual. Him and Slime both being on this list are both like I was a year too early. Like last year, I had so much of both of them. This year, I was like, eh, I don't know. I talked myself out of being as high as I was on both of them still. And here we are. So shout what, out what to the, our, uh, real quick, shout out to our guy, Tyler, who was drafting Miles Sanders everywhere. 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 He just, he's, yeah, he saw the value. I mean, the range of outcomes. And he's like, the round you're getting them, how can we not? I mean, does this change anything for you guys? Said a year too early, Jake, right? Those were at the 2019 draft class. Are you looking at, are there any players that kind of stand out to you? Like maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe I should be looking at these guys next year, not completely write them off. So anyone that falls in that bucket for you looking ahead towards the next year, uh, that could be the Antonio Gibson, JK Dobbins, Clyde Edwards, it's that class Deandre Swift. Yeah. For, for me, um, I'm not ready to give up on Deandre Swift. I'm, I'm still on that train there. I, th- I still think the talent's going to win out. Dobbins is a guy I was low on who I'm probably going to be high on going into next year compared to consensus. Um, I, I just think him not being hundred percent and we're seeing him do what he can do. I, I just, sky feels like the limit. He feels like the most likely to be a Josh Jacobs where if a little pass volume goes his way, especially if Lamar is out of there and the scheme changes up a little bit, Greg Roman rumored to maybe be going back to Stanford you know, Lamar could be going elsewhere. This, that team could get really interesting next year. And if they give Dobbins that workhorse potential next year, he turns into, you know, 2023's Josh Jacobs. Tony did to give him credit. Yeah, shout, out also, shout out Tony. Shout out Tony. He was big into the here. Raiders in general. Uh, he was high true. on the Raiders. So shout out to Tony on that one. Uh, Jake, I want to, you know, agree with you there. The, that class almost like in general, right? Like I'm not giving up on. Yeah. Maybe CEH though. What about Cam one. <laughs> Three I want to hit Cam. I still don't like Cam Akers very much, but I mean, yeah. we'll see. It would, if he's going to just be a workhorse for them, like a, that's worth something, right? Listen, I think those players, especially DeAndre Swift, is a great sway, segue into the next award, which is personally one of my favorites because this is a full accountability. The next award is the I Blame Your Ranks Award. Your being the JWB team because we got these guys all wrong. So let's uh, let's roll. The next, the next uh, bit of players for this one. Trying to find where, where they went. Oh my, I, I, I didn't, I didn't roll those ones in. But I'll, I'll just read it out here for you guys. I'm so sorry. I don't know where it went. The first one, Russell Wilson. We had him as our quarterback nine going into the season. It's just way too high. DeAndre Swift was the running back seven in our rankings. Elijah Moore was the wide receiver 27 in our rankings. Allen Robinson was the wide receiver 23. Kyle Pitts was the tight end three. And then last we had DJ Moore getting votes. He was our wide receiver 14. So I just want to start here with Wyatt. Is this just, is this all about opportunity costs for you? Or do you feel that, you know, you missed stronger for a player you really believed in and then they didn't live up to the hype? 
I think opportunity cost has to be a big factor here. And that's why, like, when I went through this, my pick was Kyle Pitts because you have to consider who is there available. Like, you could have been taking, like, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. Like, those were players that were being taken in the same area as Kyle Pitts. And also when you just consider, like, literally everyone going after Kyle Pitts at his position was a better pick. Um, even going down to, like, late tight ends, uh, significantly better. Um, and that's not even, like taking into consideration the injury, like just while he was healthy, he was worse than basically everybody who went after him. Um, He was just by far the biggest bust to me when, when you take into consideration the opportunity cost. Yeah. Jake, is it, is it gotta be Kyle Pitts on the opportunity cost for you? Or you think, you think there's another guy who really deserves the, uh, the shame. (laughs) No, that, that was definitely my vote was Kyle Pitts and it was entirely, opportunity cost just because you know the the process of taking where he was was sound right like we know this is a top option and at a position that needs a premium you know we thought he could be that guy again he he showed being that guy at times during his rookie year and it just didn't work out the way it did whether that's the quarterback whether that's the offense whether that's him you know i think it's more the first two rather than the last one there but yeah it's just the fact of what you passed on to get kyle pitts and then a lot of us just couldn't pivot off of him because we knew the upside was so high so we kept plugging him in week after week when literally just about anybody else would have been a better option yeah i mean rebound player 23 kyle pitts yeah kyle pitts has to be the, the top i'm, I'm inclined to agree but i will but i will say that i my vote would have gone towards alan robinson Simply, this is a spite vote. Um, just where we had him ranked, he fell into a tier where he was seemed to always be there, kind of round five, six, and he ended up on a lot of my teams, which it's unfortunate. Really should have been in hindsight 2020, but I just wish I was more off this player, mainly because of Amonra St. Brown. That's just the guy that was going within the half around after Allen Robinson. And I would a few of my teams would have been a lot better if they had Amonra St. Brown instead of Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson is like a big lesson learned. I mean, it's just like, yes, you could make tons of excuses for why his last year in Chicago was so bad. But when that happens, like we really shouldn't push him up the ranks the way like the community did. We all like, over the offseason just continued to yeah. push him up ranks. We bought in. We bought into McVay. Yeah. I mean, maybe now mm-hmm. we've debunked that, that there isn't always a sustained wide receiver two in the McVay offense. But that being said, guys, we will come out and announce this winner. And it is Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was the, was the winner of this. Yeah, that round two, three draft capital, it torpedoed teams. And it was worse than that, too, because it's not like, you know, to foreshadow our next award. He didn't get hurt early. This is a guy, you know, to go off of our, our teammate Tyler's tweet. He said, I play Kyle Pitts every single week as punishment. I put him in my lineups because this is what I signed myself up for, which is terrible. But given the nature of the position, Manners were struggling to put him on the bench. And the second they did, it seemed to be the one week he popped off, which is almost worse for you because then you were going back to him. He, he let a lot of you guys down and we had him really high. So we'll apologize and you can blame our ranks. Yeah, blame, blame right. him on that one. I'll blame my own ranks there. I had him at tight end too. So here oh, we yeah. are. All right. So while we're waiting for why I get back, we're going to roll right into the next one. And this, this award, it's the public enemy number one, which... <laughs> I think is a nice way to to come back after the last one. So let's let's roll the nominees for for this award. Sometimes we're just too harsh on players. These players were the most unfairly criticized players by the JWB team. This year's nominees are public enemy number one, Ramondre Stevenson, Christian Watson, 
Josh Jacobs, Pat Ryan, and Tua Tagovailoa. All right, you know, elephant in the room, you know, Christian Watson, I think we were all very critical on him. We might have liked some guys like the youth and Stevenson with, with potential upside, but we did suppress them in our rankings. Tua and Jacobs, there was some criticism there, but I think that was more based on ADP and hype. So I want to ask to Jake, I'm going to put this one to, which type of miss between those two kind of hits you more? Is it process uh, versus projection or just somebody you just didn't believe in their talent and they proved you wrong? It, it hurts more when my process or projection on a player is wrong. A lot of the times, you know, when we're a, anybody who ranks players, right? We have a process in place that we rank players the way that we do for a reason. So for me, if I miss on a guy, I had a reason for him to be that low. There was enough question marks that he wasn't going to be the guy he ends up being. And that's where a guy like Christian Watson ends up for me. Just a lot of his profile, I did not like as a prospect. Even if we look at what he's doing right now, when he's being successful, it's not winning. You know, he's not winning against press coverage against elite corners. He's not, you know, mossing every guy that's out there on the field. He's not showing elite hands. He's getting the ball in his hands and just making things happen off of pure athleticism, which is what his skill set was coming out of college. So even he doesn't feel like a total miss for me, but a guy like a Josh Jacobs where like my process said I should have been higher on him. I let consensus get to me. I let concerns about things that probably didn't matter get to me. So to drop a guy like him down for me and have him hit, that's that's what hurts the most for me. Yeah, why it is it's one of those two options kind of sting more and does that shape who you think should be the front runner for this award? Well, real quick, I want to say, I was high on Ramondre Stevens. So I don't know what's going on here. But anyways, uh, I mean, just like, I, I just have to echo Jake real quick. Like, everybody on our team hate Christian Watson, <laughs> except for Justin. And, like, so that's that one's easy to, like, be like, yeah, man, like, it was just criticized too much, completely missed there. But it does really hurt with players like Josh Jacobs, where, like, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously. But you can, like, look back at it and see, like, actually kind of makes sense that they ended up just like making him a featured workhorse as soon as they did in the season, even though there were signs that he wasn't going to be because everyone behind him sucked. So like you just give credit to rational coaching sometimes and say like, they'll realize that this player is the best player by far in that room. So we should just be giving him the ball. Okay, guys, the winner of the public enemy, number one, Christian Watson. I'm sure this shocks yeah. absolutely nobody. I'm still responding to at least a comment every single day from our Dynasty Digest video on Christian Watson about over a month ago now. That's on me. Um, That's on me. <laughs> this just this has to be this has to be the shoe in. Uh, he just a guy. He did, it. It wasn't even just a process thing. We just didn't believe in the player. I think he hit both of those boxes, and um, you know we'll have to adjust and see where we're at with this player for next season. But yeah, Christian Watson definitely. I think he's very deserving of this award. Yeah, the way I look at it, it was just a player that at cost, I liked other players more. If I'm wrong on that kind of guy, so be it. Um, but, you know, you you, revol you evolve the process moving forward and maybe an athletic freak with a, one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, throwing him the football. Maybe I got to just bump that guy up a little bit. Perhaps. Okay, guys, so moving into the next one. Not every player that doesn't end up working out for you was necessarily your fault. There's injuries every single year. So the next award is the Bandage Brother Award. So let's let's roll right in with this year's nominees. 
injuries in fantasy football are sometimes unavoidable. These losses were devastating for fantasy football seasons this year. The nominees for the Bandage Brother of the Year are Brees Hall, who had a season-ending knee injury in Week 7. Trey Lance, who had a season-ending ankle injury in Week 1. Kyler Murray, who had a season-ending knee injury in Week 14. Cooper Cup, who had a season-ending ankle injury in Week 10. And Javante Williams, who had a season-ending knee injury in Week 4. All right, Wyatt, I'm going to go to you first. What sings for you personally? Is it when a, a top pick goes down or is it, you know, a my guy who is kind of crushing it goes down? Or does it just come down to overall rostership, you know, like who you had on most of your teams? It's a little bit of a mix of everything. Um, I think exposure is the biggest of those, but it depends on, like you said, like what what level of player we're talking about. I was really high on Zay Jones and Taysom Hill at the end of drafts. If I missed on those completely, like I don't care. Like they're, they're free essentially. Um, so it, it does matter, you know, where you drafted them, how much exposure it's, it is a little bit of everything here. Um, you know, looking at these nominees like Javante and Brees Hall really stick out for me because they were early draft picks. Uh, you know, Javante was second, third, depending on when you were drafting. Brees was like kind of fourth round almost all year, all off season. Those were picks that you were counting on. So for them going down, especially when both of them looked like they were ready to have great seasons, Brees Hall especially, um, that those really hurt. Yeah, Jake, what also sings more? When, they, when these injuries come week one, we've got a Trey Lance on here who was week one. And then we've got Kyler Murray, you know, as much as like week 14. Like which one sings more for you when it's just your playoff hopes get absolutely crushed like Jalen Hurts going down or when just right from the get-go you're like I don't even get this guy and I was taking him super early yeah for for me it's the the injuries right before playoffs especially if it's an elite tier guy like Kyler like Jalen Hurts I I can't I this week I had to plug in Russ as my best quarterback option because I lost Jalen Hurts like that losing an elite player right before the playoffs, I think hurts the worst. Cause if you start the year off with like a Trey Lance injury, like you can, you can make something out of it, especially when you have guys like Gino who were an undrafted, who you could pick up and, and ended up being solid spot starts or, you know, you can, you can stream semi-effectively at certain positions, but to lose like a smash top five every week quarterback and right before the playoffs, I don't think anything hurts more. I have to agree. I mean, it's it is all about it is all about perspective with this type of with this type of award with these, these types of players. Um, week one, if you're not week one, you do have the full season to kind of figure out another path, whether it's through the waiver wire, through trades. Week fourteen, you're just kind of stuck with it. Week fifteen, and sh- shout out uh, Nate who commented here who lost Trey Lance week one, and then Jalen Hurts uh, week fifteen in a, a super flex league. I think that's just it wasn't your year, bud. Yeah. All right, without further ado, the winner of this year's Bandage Brother is Brees Hall, who I'd have to say that's where my vote would have gone. I mean, this is a guy. Me too. I, I had the most exposure, round four. He kind of fell right in that dead zone. Of the dead zone, there may maybe two guys I was interested in from that spot. Should have been Josh Jacobs, but it was for me, it was just uh, it was Travis Etienne and Brees Hall. I had Brees Hall above Travis Etienne, just two essentially rookies 
uh, in that zone, most upside. Um, so because of that, I, I had Brees Hall everywhere. I traded for him where I didn't. I, this this was a grueling injury. Really hope that he bounces back next year. Dave had Brees at evens to win that award. Love to see that. And Tony, <laughs> Jackson, that note from Tony here. It is a good. It is a good note. I think with him starting so hot too, he kind of led Manders on the wrong way, or maybe guys who acquired him as well. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of player you know players who could have fit this bill but you know yeah. those just happen to be the five that received the most votes and i think a lot of us, especially jwb felt the breeze hall you know and a lot of yeah. members from our happy yeah. hour, happy hour family are also here i mean as a community i think we all loved breeze hall and you know i hope he bounces back next year but moving ahead we went over our early heroes next this is the nominees for the mid-season madman award these players may have started slow for fantasy football, but they came through big, having unexpected yet impactful performances in the middle of the season. This year's nominees for the midseason madman are Christian Watson, who had 22.9 points from weeks 10 to 13, the wide receiver two during that stretch. Zay Jones, who had 18.6 points per game weeks 12 through 15, the wide receiver four during that stretch. Tony Pollard, who had 23.1 points per game, weeks 8 through 14. He was the RB1 during that stretch. Ramondre Stevenson, who had 18.6 points per game, weeks 6 through 12. He was the running back 6 during that stretch. And Kenneth Walker III, who had 18.6 points per game, weeks 6 through 12. He was the RB5 during that stretch. All right, so I think this this is a fun one. This is a different kind of award. Um, you know, we had players who broke out for different stretches. You know, some maybe more impactful than others. But I got I got to ask you, Jake, what, what what's harder for you? You know, knowing when to begin to start a midseason breakout, or knowing when to bench them if they if they fall off. What what's tougher for you as a manager? For me, it's definitely knowing when to start them, especially if it's a player where it's like the production doesn't or like the uh, the usage doesn't change, the volume doesn't really change, but all of a sudden it starts to work out, which is like on these guys, it's easier to to handle because most of these guys you were taking a little bit later in drafts, most of the, the finalists here. But if you're talking like a Brees Hall, like Brees was unstartable for a few weeks early on and then he got hot. It was like, okay, the first week looked great. Do we trust him the second week? Yes, the second week was awesome. Now, is he must be in the lineups? Do we do we get a little skeptical here? I think that process is harder for me. It's much easier for me to sit a guy just because I can rationalize a matchup. I can rationalize other guys who are also performing on my team. You know, and, and if you see regression in usage, it, it makes that part a lot easier. But you know, I, I would say getting those guys into my lineup is often tougher for me, especially if they don't have the draft capital to go along with it. You know, that sunk cost fallacy kind of kicks in. It is really tough. I mean, knowing knowing when to start that you feel like the time you do, you're just going to get it all wrong. I think when they start to tail off, you can be like, okay, they're aggressing back more. Maybe it was injury related. Uh, I'd like to give, we had a com we had a couple comments on it with Tony Pollard. I mean, this guy, that stretch, RB1, and that was a significant stretch of the season. I think he, a lot of managers who started maybe 500 or below had Tony Pollard in their lineups and they found, now find themselves in championships. I mean, he's been a player who's had sustained success and, yeah, he, he probably would have gotten my vote. Why do you you feel similarly, or do you think you would have gone another direction here? Uh, real quick, also, you know, 
zero propaganda once again here with this question. I love it. Uh, but yeah, Tony Pollard is like, I thought this was the easy selection for this one because again, similar to like what I said with Josh Jacobs on our draft day discount one, he's the one making the biggest impact out of these players. I mean, RB1 during that stretch, right? And it was a long stretch of time. Also like outside of that stretch, he's been fine for your teams too. He's been good. So like Tony Pollard pretty easily for me. All right. Well, let's let's uncover who won this award. So the mid-season madman for 2022 goes to Ramondre Stevenson, Ooh. who's put together quite a campaign. You know, maybe this is just a little bias coming from rough years. He was on our shortlist when we're talking early in the season. You know, we said in an earlier part of this award show that we maybe overlooked him or, you know, were too critical. I know last year I was very critical of him saying he looks like he runs through quicksand the draft capital was questionable. So it's a New England backfield. It was quite easily split. Uh, but this year, he's looked at a completely different player. He's looked smoother. You know, he's, he's run better, and he's really taken advantage of the opportunity. I think the pass catching, just how exceptional he is in the pass ga- catching game, is not something we really saw coming. Um, but, you know, we did. He was taken. He was RB38 off the board. We might have had him closer to high RB30, but I think as a team, we still were too low that we didn't have him as an RB2 or fringe RB2. And I think maybe that's why he won this award. Just coming off, you got him. You got him so late in your drafts, right? Rounds nine through 12 kind of territory. He he came through huge. I think yeah. it's also important to note with him versus a lot of the other guys on here, it was really high sustained production for the longest amount of time. He's on here for basic for all but basically two weeks of the season versus a lot of these guys, you know, you got six or seven boom weeks, but Ramondre, you got not for free, but at very reduced cost for his production. And he smashed for most of the year. Yeah. It's been, yeah. been an RB one. I mean, yeah, he, was, he would have been my second pick. So like, I got no problem with that one. Yeah. No problem. And icing on the cake. I mean, this week was rough for Ramondre owners. So it's, I wonder if we had done, if this vote was a week later, if things would have been a little different, but right. that being said, we're going to move into not just the beginning of the year, but the end of the year. This next award is Mr. 101. Hindsight is 2020. These players are in consideration for the number one overall pick we are to redraft today. The nominees for this year's Mr. 101 are Josh Allen, who is the quarterback three going into week 16. Travis Kelsey. Tight end one going into week 16. Justin Jefferson, who's the wide receiver one going into week 16. And Christian McCaffrey, who's the running back three going into week 16. I had to slip in that beautiful picture of Christian McCaffrey there for you, Jake. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, I got to ask you, Wyatt. You know, we talk positional scarcity all the time, like quarterback and super flex leagues. Basically, Travis Kelsey against the field for tight end. Does that matter for you when we're talking Mr. 101, or is it just going to be running back? Because that's also a positional scarcity, a positional scarcity type thing where if you get an elite staple running back and you get it correct, it does set your team for success. You know, do we we see a world where managers start drafting wide receivers like Justin Jefferson 101? I know you've been talking propaganda for zero RB all night or where do you lean when it comes to positional scarcity and does that impact your vote here? Positional scarcity will always be part of the equation here, but the weight that it has in the equation will change year to year, which is why redraft is so great to me. Is that because that 
equation changes year to year. It's a new puzzle every year to figure out. Um, talking about the one-on-one, as you mentioned, I do think we get start getting into draft strategy, roster construction, and I lean towards zero RB types of builds. I think Justin Jefferson one-on-one for those, for part of that reason, you know, that I tend to want to be that way, avoid some of the possible injuries that can happen at running back, but also because Justin Jefferson is just such a difference maker week to week. Uh, it's incredible. He he might be the first wide receiver to get 2,000 yards. Like, that's not going to surprise me if it happens. In fact, I'm, I think it's going to happen because I think the Vikings are going to make sure it happens. But, yeah, I mean, positional scarcity always comes into play, but the amount depends on the year and also depends on the type of strategies you're trying to employ in your roster construction going into a draft. Yeah, Jake, the finalists for this one, the votes seemed very condensed. We only have four mm-hmm. guys who came through with oh, all of them had significant votes. Um, do you think there's a name that's potentially disrespected? And how do we end up with the quarterback three going into the week 16 or the running back three going into week 16? Do you think it's justified to have those names ahead of the rest despite not even being number one at their position? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely reasonable to have all of them there just because we know Josh Allen's ceiling. We Like we were talking about before he got hurt, his ceiling was the moon, basically. We've seen Christian McCaffrey in this offense. When Elijah Mitchell is not healthy in San Francisco, the ceiling is the moon. Um, I think if there's anybody who's maybe disrespected by not being here, you know, Austin Eckler is one that, you know, his usage in the passing game in that offense is always going to make him a top option in PPR. Um, but I also think Jalen Hurts is pushing his way near this consideration moving forward too. that offense isn't changing anytime soon. They've got two of the best pass catching wide receivers, two of the best or three of the best, you know, receivers after the catch there, the offensive line is insane. Hurts talent is, you know, off the charts, especially as a runner. If, if they get to the one yard line, he's getting you a touchdown every time with that, that push play they have set up. I think he's going to be, you know, sniffing, you know, that top one, if not two quarterback range moving forward. And I think there's an argument for him to be up there. If Josh Allen's going to be up there. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love the, the names you're bringing up here going into the season. My quarterback one and quarterback two was Josh Allen and Jalen hurts. So uh, it feels great to see those two doing so well. That being said, guys, Hindsight, Mr. 101 for 2022 is Justin Jefferson. So it is the wide receiver. I think people do do look back and they say this guy should be number one. I mean, he is as much of a disregard as they come. He's been putting up 30 points per game in fantasy when it really matters. Uh, he's been exceptional. You said he's pushing 2,000 yards. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go first overall next year in drafts. And it's it's hard to argue it against it. I mean, a player from any position can get hurt, right? But Justin Jefferson, since he came in the league, it's been incredible every single year. I mean, this when you want consistency, it doesn't get much better than Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, we're talking yeah. about a guy who just set the NFL record for most receiving yards in their first three years. Like, the dude is just, he's hes that dude. Like, there's just no question that the talent level there is one of the best, if not the best in the game. Yeah, part, part of the reason that we are like running backs are frequently at the top of drafts, right, is that because they actually have some of the highest highest fantasy ceilings for skill position players because of how much they touch the ball. Well, Justin Jefferson is right there <laughs> and, yeah. in fact, surpassing them. So you can like throw that argument out of the way when it comes to start when you start arguing about if Justin Jefferson should be there. Yep. OK, guys, we're almost there. We have our final three, you know, some. This is a very, this next one is very exciting for me. This is the one hit wonder award. Let's roll the nominees. Don't let totals fool you. These players 
popped off for a huge week in the middle of the season. But otherwise, they were disappointments. This year's nominees for the One Hit Wonder Award are Alvin Kamara, who had 38.3 points versus Lost Boys. Joe Mixon, who had 53.1 points versus Carolina. Deonta Foreman, with 31.8 points versus Atlanta. And Gabriel Davis, with 30.6 points versus Pittsburgh. All right, guys. So, we got to get right into this. I think... It's a very interesting group of players. You know, we had we had put up when we had to vote a couple of defenses in there, really pop huge. Is there somebody that why you think should be the clear, clear front runner here? Somebody who just really deceived managers with a huge week and is something to take a note of rolling into next year when we look back at totals. Kamara is easily my one hit wonder here. Um outside of that game, he's only scored one other touchdown, and that was this week in fantasy football semi semifinals. And if you were relying on Kamara on your team, uh, you might not have been in the semifinals because he's been honestly bad. Otherwise he had a few games early in the year where he caught, where he caught enough passes that he was fine, but he's really done nothing for you based on expectations. And it, cause I think it's important to remember, yes, he was being drafted in like the third, fourth round, but that was only because of the possible legal issues that he was facing that were scaring some people off. The expectations were very high for him once those legal issues were no longer a problem for this season. Once we knew that, we expected, okay, this is back to Alvin Kamara. This is the person who like normally goes top five running backs, right? So the expectations were really there for him, and he just didn't come close at all. Yeah, I mean, again, and this vote took place before we saw what Alvin Kamara did this week, which he had a redeemable week. But if you went back in time and you flipped a coin every single week for Alvin Kamara to finish top 24, he missed... More often than not, that's crazy to me that this guy half of the time was outside of the top 24. You drafted him as a top 10 running back. We expect top 10 running back production from Alvin Kamara. He he really did let managers down this season. So I see Gabe Davis's name coming up. Jake, I just I had to hold this one out for you because I know Gabe Davis is your favorite player of all time. I'm going to ask you, do you value total point finishes more or points per game and is, is there value to data sets removing potentially the lowest performance of the season and the highest performance of the season from a data set? Yeah, I, I definitely prefer the points per game finish. I think there is some value in a, in an, in some way to total points finish. Um, but for me, points per game is always going to be, you know, the better option. Um, I, I also agree that there is some value to removing those lowest and highest weeks. Like if we take away, you know, obviously pure ceiling matters, obviously pure floor matters. Um, but to an extent, if those games are, are truly outliers, like if we look at a guy like Joe Mixon, that 53.1 rips his points per game way higher than it probably otherwise would be but also if you look at like more of his median points per game he was still putting up double digit points week in and week out if he was in your lineups he mostly wasn't killing you you know that that type of player is fine whereas a guy like Gabe Davis who completely disappears for most of the season outside of the boom game a guy like him is always going to hurt way more um, and, and if you look at just his points per game he still looks like a fringe wide receiver three but I'd argue he's been droppable for three or four weeks now like he's just his production's just not there so while i do think points per game is the preferred two total points per game i do think i'm i'm trying to workshop a, a thought in my head about finding a way to remove some of those outlier games and get like a more true weekly consistency model yeah i think i think it definitely 
it, there's definitely some value to it. And, you know, maybe that's something we give you guys when we get to look back. Well, you said with Joe Mixon, I mean, his points per game is what, 17 points per game? You take that 53 point game out of the equation, you're talking 13 points per game, four point difference from one yeah. game. It's very misleading. It's very misleading, um, but it goes to show you why he maybe not may not be just the true one hit wonder of this group, just because 13 points per game isn't killing you. Whereas if you take out like Gabe Davis's boom game, he drops to what, like seven, eight? Yeah, it's true. It really is. So that being said, well, let's let's see if anyone rolled Gabe Davis, uh, Jake's vote here. The winner for this year's one hit wonder is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara takes it home this year. Wyatt's guy getting the vote. Again, you can't argue. We said you flipped a coin. This guy, whether or not this guy was finishing top 24, there's no way Alvin Kamara, just his name, the sole guy in that offense, he's not even sharing a backfield. We expected New Orleans to be a fringe playoff team going into the season. Uh, you you were really disappointed. You probably didn't make playoffs if you had Alvin Kamara. And if you did, I mean, the rest of your team, congrats to you on your draft. You, you really crushed it outside of him because you didn't get there because right. of Alvin Kamara. Yeah, he's been tough, real tough for for people who were heavily invested in Kamara like, like myself. I'm glad I have like three shares that are all in best ball. So I never had to make that call. Yeah. All right, guys, we're getting to the end of it. The next award. It's one of my absolute favorites because every single year you draft a guy, he burns you and you look in the mirror and you say never again. So the nominees for this year's never again award. Sometimes we have big aspirations for players and they just don't meet our expectations. And we say, never again this year's nominees for the never again award are cam Akers, unlimited alan robinson Kadarius tony alvin Kamara, and naji harris all right so why there's a lot of factors that come in cause managers to be snake bitten. And is it a good philosophy in fantasy? Or do you think saying never again in general negatively impacts your drafting for the following season? I think it's really hard not to like naturally have a little bit of grudge against players when they don't perform up to expectations when you draft them. It's tough. It's, it's natural, right? As humans to do that, but you have to dig deep or into those kind of things when they happen and understand why, they didn't perform up to expectations. Um, like someone like Alan Robinson, you can look at that and say, yeah, he's washed. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm fine not drafting Alan Robinson. Let me again. give like, you the other easy. side of the coin to Alan Robinson, because for every Alan Robinson, last year we're going through the never again. You had people, Alan Robinson, sure, never again. You also had Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, bro signs, you walk in your office and I got yeah. the 101. Everyone asks I got the one-on-one. What am I doing? Oh, I can't go Christian McCaffrey. He he got hurt the last two years. Never again. Uh, yeah, that's that's that one. You just, um, in almost all cases, you don't want to bet on the injury. Like, the only person where it's really worked out every time is Rashad Penny. Like, he's just always been injured. It's not something you want to bet on because it's so random, especially at the running back position. Things like that just happen, right? And now we see, like, Christian McCaffrey yeah. has almost been perfectly healthy, which is you know, weird to say, like that doesn't even happen just for no normal running backs, but he's been almost completely healthy all year. And you see what happens. Like 
you can't really bet on injuries like that. You'll you will you will lose out more often than not betting on the injury. Yeah. Jake, do you think people find themselves more snake bitten when it's your first pick and it doesn't go right? Or do you think maybe it's a guy you just had on every team because he was your favorite value of the draft? We see different completely different names. Al Kamara, you might have taken at the 112. Kadarius Tony, you were probably taking in the 10th round. So we have completely different players. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, for me, it's the top picks. Those are always the ones that hurt the most. When you bring up a guy like CMC too, like a lot of the reason people were so out on him this year is because it was two years in a row. We were, the, we were, you know, we weren't scared off of him by injury. I still wasn't scared off of him. You got to recognize those injuries as being a, a, you know, a question, but another for half of this list, age becomes a factor too. Like Allen Robinson is a guy who's getting up there in football age and maybe lost a step. Russ is a guy who's up there in football age and maybe lost a step. So I think there's some credence to that argument out there, but back to the original question, those top picks that hurt you, especially if they hurt you a couple of times in a row, those are always going to be the ones that sing worse to me. Okay. So let's see if it's a top guy or a late guy this year's never again winner is Allen Robinson, which is, Honestly, this is probably the third time in his career he found himself on this list. You know, he started his career in Chicago exactly the way he ended it. That first year when he got there, he was coming off the season before he missed almost a whole year due to injury. He came into Chicago. A lot of people forgave him. Can't predict injury. He let you down. They said never again. Then he has two, you know, one or two very good seasons and people bought back into it going into last year. Absolutely bust. Then we come into this year and it's like, ah, he's still an alpha. He just gave up on Chicago. We made all the excuses. McVay offenses always have a wide receiver too. He burned you again. So, you know, for me, I'm happy to see Allen Robinson win this award. I think he's a player that just, I'm over it. And yeah, I'm ready for Allen Robinson to jump out of the league because I've, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. I'm playing, I'm playing whack-a-mole with him. And, you know, every year I'm in, I miss. Every year I'm not, he hits. So Allen Robinson is a, a very deserving winner of this award for me personally. Yeah, I think also with Allen Robinson, uh, uh, another lesson here, too, is like, yeah, the Sean McVay offense, like they always produce wide receiver twos. Those wide receiver twos that were there before him were completely different types of wide receivers than Allen Robinson uh, with OBJ and, and Robert Woods before that. Those those are very different players than Allen Robinson. Like we shouldn't just automatically assume that any type of wide receiver will go to that system and flourish. Yeah, and it Brandon just, Cooks just to throw in another name. Yeah, it kind of just proves the vacated target thing. You know, just because a wide receiver is the de facto wide receiver too in an offense doesn't guarantee production, even if there's been historical production out of that guy. The talent really matters here. And if you watch Allen Robinson's tape for the last two years, there's not a whole lot of that talent shining through. Yeah, but looking at this list, there are a couple of names. I'm going to be very curious before I move on with how people treat Najee Harris versus like a Cam Akers going into next season if they chalk it up to just the offense is kind of stinking, you know, not being 100%. Akers first year back. Najee said going into the season, he was going to play through Liz Frank for the year. So I will be curious how people react. I mean, from these votes, I think they're going to be two discounted guys. I'll be really curious how ADP jumps on those guys. Okay. So moving, we have our last award and this last one, it's a little more fun. You know, people who, all you guys who have stayed tuned this late, I think it's deserving that this is the last award because you guys have stuck around all year. I wanted to collectively get a name. We could all jump behind. So this year, we're putting out an award so we can all root for him going next year as the JWB Dynasty Darling. So let's roll this year's nominees. The best part of Dynasty fantasy football is latching onto your guys and getting to watch them blossom into superstars in this league. These players 
for nominating and voted amongst you guys to become the official JWBE Dynasty Darling. Our finalists in nominations for this award are Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, Breeze Hall, Jahan Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Pacheco, Bijan Robinson, and Devonta Smith. All right, Jake, you know, fun of Dynasty, David Bell, get out of here. But the fun of Dynasty, you know, Jake, is getting your guy. But I want to ask you, how do you handle it when they hit or flop? Like if your guy, your big Justin Fields, you had him on your team, he hits. You willing to sell off top dollars? He's my guy for life. This is Dynasty. And if they miss, are you just going to hold on? Or how do you in Dynasty keep emotion out of it? Or sometimes do you think it's just a part of the game? It's a fun part of the game. It is a fun part of the game. If it's a player that's on my actual NFL team, it does make him a little bit harder to sell, like Justin Fields, three first minimum, anybody who's out there in a league with me. But I think part of it, for me anyway, it's a little bit easier to disconnect from the players. Um, I'm in a, I'm in plenty of leagues. I have plenty of rostership of various different players. So I have some need to diversify. If I have too many of one player, I don't want my rosters to be tied up you know, too much in any one way, shape, or form. Um, so that's always, always something that's great for me. If it's a player that flops, though, it is a lot easier for me to move on. Um, if somebody else clings on harder than I do, I'm going to return most of the value that I invested in that player. Um, right now, like Sky Moore is a perfect example. Sky Moore is a guy that I, you know, the analytical profiles on him were, were awesome. I was, I, I liked what I saw. I was high on him. He's not doing much here. Somebody offered me a second for him. It very easy, except for me. Like if I can recoup some of that value, I'm going to have guys that I like just as much, if not more in the next class. So why not, you know, give me another shot in the dark there, as opposed to just clinging on to something that may never happen. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Now what we just got done doing the dynasty digest recording for this week and a couple of names Jake just brought up and that the chat's been going crazy before we talk about, we talk about sky Moore, We talk about John Dotson. We said in that video, go find another, go find another group of, you know, commentators, analysts that were higher on Jahan Dotson than JWB. We had him as the 107 in our rookie drafts. That was the highest I saw of anyone. We had him just after Olave, except for Nate. We got to give him credit. And we had him, even though Olave's an absolute stud. And we had him right before, <laughs> or right, uh, right, right before, there we go, Jameson Williams. Um, you know, for you, Wyatt, do you think just a guy like Jahan Dotson, who ended up in a lot of our subscribers' rosters because of just how much we were pushing him at the back of your first, or if he was there early second, trade in, you have to have this guy. Or do you think there's another name that might stick out, right? There seems to be a, a good variety, a lot of choices here. Yeah, I think Dotson is like the clear, easy choice for like our our guy as a team because we were so ahead of consensus on him. Um, shout out to Nathan, who's in the chat right now, who's like the first guy beating the drum for Dotson, like nonstop, like this guy is the truth. We need to like push him up your ranks. I know he definitely influenced me moving him up with how how much conviction he had about Jahan Dotson. So I think it's really easy for us to say like, that's, that's our guy, right? But I think another good choice is Garrett Wilson. I know he's going to be a lot of people's favorites uh, because he is doing so well and he was already well thought of, but like he was our wide receiver one. Um, a lot of people had Drake London wide receiver one after he went before him. That's another one we could possibly think about. Yeah, well, pre-draft, pre-draft, he was our wide receiver one of this class. Like pre-draft, he was number one. He did he slid a little back more just when we saw where 
the opportunity fell for Drake London and Traylon Burks, but we were pushing Garrett Wilson, if you could, anywhere from 102 to 106 in people's drafts. If he was there, it was a smash pick. So, you know, Garrett Wilson's another great shout. Of course he was on Dots for nothing to do in Canada. Tony, you're, you're, you're killing us here. <laughs> Shout out, Nate. Absolutely. And we brought up Garrett Wilson. I mean, that's Nate's dynasty wide receiver three right now. So just another great shout out. Another Garrett Wilson is just a different player. So that being said, guys, our new collective JWB dynasty darling moving into next year is Garrett Wilson. So, there we go. We shout out. We brought this guy. I hope all of you guys go pick up a Jets jersey because I won't, even though I love Garrett Wilson. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, no. yeah can't, can't can't do it. But I love buy this one player. for us. I love I love the shout. I mean, having Garrett Wilson on some dynasty rosters already at early cost, which just it felt phenomenal. I mean, he's going to be a guy. He's costing you. He's at. He's going to be going at the two three turn in your startups this off season. And why? I know we talked about it a little bit, but do you think that two three turn for Garrett Wilson, which is top? six or seven dynasty wide receivers and startups is it justified absolutely in fact if you took him middle of the second i would have no issue with it yeah jake we you, you just as hot as us moving in is this is a is this a cornerstone wide receiver we building around garrett wilson yeah i mean we talked about it on the digest episode a few weeks ago like i think there's a legitimate argument for like seven or eight different dudes to be that wide receiver three right now and garrett wilson you know, we see how much he falls off a cliff with Zach Wilson at quarterback, and we see how great he is with everybody else. I think it's more Zach Wilson than it is Garrett Wilson when those games go wrong here. So I'm fully in on Garrett Wilson. I've taken him at wide receiver three in a couple mocks already, and I like the way a lot of those rosters look out. So I'm, I'm fully on board with Garrett Wilson as our guy moving forward and, and definitely will be attacking him heavily in any startups that I take. Yeah, really, really can't argue that. I mean, I'm excited watching this player. Yeah, he's, he's just so darn good. Um, but that being said, guys, I want to thank every single one of you guys for being here, tuning in each week, commenting in our Discord, interacting with us on Twitter. It means everything. And th this was a lot of fun. I got to thank Wyatt and Jake as well for being here tonight. And, you know, it's because of you guys we keep doing this. The little things you guys say, the interaction, it's it's honestly why, why I'm doing this. There's not a lot else we're getting out of it. I get to play with my friends. I get to come on here and just talk football with you guys. And for that, you know, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I want to give a special shout out, guys, who are still here. You know, we got Jake, you, you know, Ryan. You guys have been very supportive. You know, Heavy CMC, you're in the chat every single day. You guys are our guys. It means a lot to us, your support. You know, I want to thank the parts of the team who's not here. You know, Justin coming in and putting in good work this year. Tyler, you know, potentially might be our sharpest guy in the team. He's crushing it this shark. year with his, yeah. he's been crushing <laughs> this year's performance. We've got our redraft maven, Nate, who's here in the chat. We got Tony in the chat here for us as well. Uh, Timmy, who's done some videos with me as well this year. I got to thank you, you know, tuning in this after your work this year meant a lot to us. And uh, Jacob, you know, who's come in uh, and done some articles for us this year and jumped in a couple of recordings when you get a guy. We appreciate you guys as well, you know. That being said, we're going to get out of here and, you know, we look forward to 2023 and seeing if these awards are different next time. So we will uh, we'll catch you guys later.